0: Hi, I'm Dave Westberg, and you're listening to the Billboard Insider Podcast, where I interview industry leaders about trends impacting the U.S. out-of-home advertising business. This podcast is sponsored by the Ultimate Out-of-Home Sales Guide, the book that gives you the tools you need to sell out-of-home advertising effectively. Purchase your copy at billboardinsider.com backslash publications. I'm talking with Dr. Rick Wilson. He is an associate professor at Texas State University San Marcos. Rick has written extensively about The Impact and Effectiveness of -of Out-of-Home Advertising. Welcome to the show, Rick.
1: Thank you. Glad to be here.
0: Rick, how did you get involved in studying out-of-home advertising?
1: Well, the the short answer is is that my dissertation to get my doctorate degree to become a professor was on out-of-home advertising. slightly longer answer is that I studied advertising as an undergraduate, worked professionally in marketing and advertising, But on the outside of it, I've always been fascinated by out of home for the simple reason. I love the physicality of it, the ability for it to reference, you know, the activity that you're doing, the way for it to kind of break through the clutter. You know, it's not a focal medium. And so the fact that it's able to capture people's attention through many different ways has always fascinated me
0: you did a 2019 attribution study for the OAAA. What did you do and what did you learn?
1: Well, the study that they asked me to do was to review a number of case studies where the media partners that they used looked at various promotions to see which types of -of out-of-home advertising was able to drive sales or recognition or recall and compare that to a control group that was not exposed to those same out-of-home advertisements. And across the 45 different case studies that I reviewed, consistently, there was a dramatic increase in, in whatever variable that they were measuring to judge effectiveness. And in some cases, the most popular variable really looked at was store visits. And that increased by 89% compared to the control group who were not exposed to those ads in that market. It might be interesting to know for your listeners that the study, the way they were able to conduct this is is they have a panel of people who have agreed to participate in these studies, and they use typically a mobile app on their phone, and that is able to track them. And then a lot of these retail locations um, are geofenced. And so they're able to see if they were exposed to the ad and then they compare that to a group who was not exposed to the ad. And from there, they're able to get a comparison of either an increase in store visits, recall for the ad campaign, or, you know, increases in purchase intention.
0: So businesses are always asking, how do I know my ad's effective? And if I hear you right, you found that In this case, there was an 89% increase in store visits. That's a a remarkable number in terms of return on out-of-home advertising.
1: It absolutely is. And, you know, there were a number of different outcome measures from campaigns that they looked at beyond store visits. You know, for example, recall of either the brand or some aspect of the campaign. They saw a 39% lift, you know, across the 45 studies where that was reviewed. And then also purchase intent was another Um, outcome measure that was frequently assessed. And that's all a 23% increase compared to the control group. So it definitely has an impact.
0: Yeah. So it, it has an impact, not only top of funnel, but bottom of funnel is, I guess, what you're saying.
1: Absolutely. Across the funnel.
0: Rick, you published an article. You just published an article in May in the Journal of Advertising in which you reviewed 454 articles written on out-of-home advertising over the past 104 years. I'd like to quote some of your conclusions and let you expand on them and what you think they mean for the out-of-home advertising industry. One conclusion was, creativity does not increase ad effectiveness unless out-of-home is conspicuously placed.
1: Yes, so that one is, I think, an interesting one. I think if for no other reason, the industry you know, frequently talks about and uses as a selling point that out-of-home advertising is a really creative medium and can help break through clutter and and get noticed. And, And while that is the case, some of the research I reviewed during that of those 454 articles, you know, some of them suggested that through the results that its creativity by itself isn't going to break through the clutter Unless the ad is situated in an environment that it is more prominent, whether that means the size of the ad or the billboard, for example, is larger, it's in the line of sight where it's likely to be seen, and it's not in an environment that is visually complex or the consumers are not otherwise typically engaged in some other activity where they're not going to see it. And so it's one thing to develop an ad that's creative. But it's another thing to make sure that the ad is placed somewhere where it has a greater likelihood of being seen. You know, the real conclusion from that, from my perspective, for the industry and, you know, for academia, is that I believe advertisers and media planners need to take a a stronger, more active role in selecting locations for ads, especially when it's going to rely heavily on that creative component. It's not enough to just buy a number of faces or billboards in a market to get coverage. I think you need to think a little bit deeper.
0: Consumer interest in content is more important than consumer interest in the context of the ad. Yes.
1: Yeah, so that was another interesting observation I noticed after looking at a lot of the out-of-home advertising studies where we look at from an academic perspective, we call it involvement You know, it's the same thing as consumer interest in either ad content or an activity. And when we looked at involvement or interest, there seemed to be a split where that involvement or interest wasn't having an effect. And basically what it seemed to come down to, and it, it needs further proving, but it looks like. What we call situational involvement, the fact that you like an ad for that moment, that's going to have an effect on certain outcomes like you know remembering or liking. But if you are at a venue, let's say a, a sports arena or you know a NASCAR race and, and you' and you really love whatever sport you're watching, that's not going to cause you to remember, the ad that you're seeing in out-of-home in that location. So what I think is interesting about that is we talk about, at least in advertising, from a TV perspective. If you're really into the TV program, a lot of times that causes people to be to pay attention to those ads and remember them. In out-of-home, it doesn't necessarily seem to translate. So just because you're really enjoying that sports game or that NASCAR race, and you see an ad, it doesn't mean you're going to remember it more or otherwise have a more favorable response to it. Again, needs more vetting and research, whether in industry or academia, but that was one of the
0: things that I I noticed. Classifying out-of-home by format doesn't address goals of media planners.
1: Yeah, this is one that I personally really like. I've tried to work on this, but I think it It's going to require a lot more effort from industry perspective and an academic perspective. It seems that both in industry and academia, we categorize out of home by format, you know, billboards, transit, street furniture. And and maybe that's just because we put like things together. Maybe it's easy for revenue reporting. But I think that's an industry focus where I believe it may be more beneficial to Think about it from the consumer perspective. You know, what are consumers doing when they are encountering out-of-home advertising? Sometimes they are mobile, meaning they're walking or driving. Sometimes they're stationary, waiting for a bus or at a stoplight in their vehicle. It's thinking about what type of cognitive resources or mental processing that they can allocate to that ad. And thinking about it from that perspective, because you can design an ad very differently based off of those contexts. And so, I don't think it's worthwhile to think that a billboard is a billboard, because depending on its location, based on what the consumer is doing, you know, it could have very dramatically different outcomes for you know whatever it is you're intending that consumer to do.
0: So, so Rick, are you are you trying to say that? classifying, for instance, a roadside versus place-based sort of classification is more helpful to a planner than a poster, billboard, digital billboard classification?
1: Yes, and even at a deeper level. So, Hmm. you know, like, uh, let's just take billboards. You know, we can have a billboard alongside the road. You know, if if it's typically a place where, cons- where consumers who are driving by are not going to be stopping at any point in, in, to be able to view it, the content of that ad should be very different than another billboard located or visible at a place where cars are stopping, You know whether it's at a stoplight or something else, because they have more mental capacity to look at that ad, process it more deeply. You know, I lived in New York City for a while, and I found it very interesting that a lot of the advertisements at bus stops or at train stations or subway stations, I felt like it was a lost opportunity that consumers were looking for something to entertain themselves. And, you know, the ad there was just not that entertaining. And in academia, we know that when we talk about the way people process ads, if it's too simple mm-hmm. and they're staring at it for long periods of time, they're going to overanalyze it, critique it, you know, rip it apart. But if it's engaging enough, has a lot of content for them to process, they're going to do that at a much deeper level.
0: Your final conclusion or another conclusion was there's been an increase in articles discussing harmful content in out-of-home advertising. Unpack that.
1: Yeah. So one of the things that was interesting, you know, I approach a lot of my own personal research from an advertising effectiveness standpoint, but that's only one half of what is being written in academia about out-of-home advertising. The other area really comes from a public policy perspective. And traditionally, it's been a lot of advertising focusing on tobacco and alcohol content, and specifically as it's located in Communities that are disadvantaged or vulnerable in some way, like by socioeconomic income, race, or children. And so that's what's been looking at a lot of the research there. A lot of it's also looking at distractions for out of home for drivers. But what I saw interesting kind of trending from that is tobacco has kind of, you know, fallen away as, you know, the, the settlement in 1998 kind of pushed that, you know, away But alcohol is still quite present. Growing also are food and beverage ads. There's a lot of academia looking at ads that contain fatty foods, high sugar foods, especially in areas where they don't have a lot of grocery stores or where children congregate. There's cannabis advertising that is starting to be looked at. There's also violent or overly sexualized content. And so when I look at this, that's, you know, that's over, it's about half of the content which academia is looking at out of home advertising. And it tells me that industry really needs to be more proactive in thinking about how we go about regulating and self-regulating it to preempt the regulatory bodies from coming in and coming back with, you know, harsher regulations that may not be as conducive. To you know what we want to do from a, an out-of-home advertising industry perspective.
0: It's a delicate balance, isn't it? You want to give free, you want to allow public dialogue, you want to allow speech, you want to allow advertisers to have speech. But as Ken Klein, the now retired government affairs person at OAAA, used to say, excess is never your friend." Uh, <laughs> so it, it is. It is a balance, isn't it?
1: it is a balance and i think academia and the industry can work together to help you know think about what needs to be what how we need to lobby the government to avoid them you know putting laws that might be too excessive or too restrictive when they don't necessarily need to be to protect those vulnerable populations
0: If you sell out-of-home advertising, you need the ultimate out-of-home sales guide. This book gives you the tools you need to sell out-of-home advertising effectively. Wish I had this book earlier in my career, says Paul Serra of Badger Consulting. Good stuff, comments Keystone Outdoors' Lisa DeFelice. This gives an owner or sales manager a nice reference tool, adds Chris Kalbeck of the IBO USA. Purchase your copy of the ultimate out-of-home sales guide at billboardinsider.com backslash publications. Rick? What are five questions about out of home that you think need further research?
1: Well, you know, I'll preface this by saying, you know, some of the the items that we just talked about are some of those items that that need to be further researched and analyzed, but I do have some others that I think are really important for the industry as well as for academia to consider. One of them is this idea of attention to out-of-home advertising. We do a lot of that. You know, there's a lot of good organizations both in the U.S. and abroad that have looked at that. But I think a lot of that has been with static out-of-home. So billboards that are fixed on the side of the road, but I don't think there's been enough looking at mobile out-of-home, whether that's on the side of a bus or a taxi or, you know, all the other multitude of out-of-home formats that are moving. and. You know, you couple that with consumers who might be moving or they might be, you know, stationary themselves. But that adds another layer of complexity that we need to think about. How do we best design those ads? How do we best know how much attention is being given to those? And, you know, how do you break through the clutter when your ad is moving and maybe the consumer is moving as well? So the second one that I have. I noticed this in the work that I did for the Out of Home Advertising Association of America when I reviewed some of the case studies there. But also when I reviewed the academic work is that the the way we measure advertising campaigns can be, you know, items that are memory based, what I would call cognitive recall recognition, some that are effective or, you know, are attitudinal. And then some that are behavioral, like sales and, you know, visiting a website. What is interesting is academia focuses on those cognitive and effective ones, you know, memory, attitudes, where the industry seems to have a greater penchant for focusing in on behavioral items. And I think that we need to kind of make sure we're both, from an academic and industry perspective, looking at all of it because frankly advertisers care about all of those items. But I think for industry it's easier to capture behavioral data and that's harder to capture for academics who tend to do lab experiments. So I think that's one of those quest one of the five. At number three, I think programmatic buying needs greater attention both in industry and academia. I I, I know that it's increasing across the US, as well as across the world. And some markets are, you know, more heavily invested in it than others, but trying to understand what that means for the consumer, what it means for media planners, what it means for advertisers. You know, there's a lot of anecdotal evidence out there, but I, I would like to see something more systematic to understand, you know, really what that is means for both consumers and the industry. Number four, this kind of goes back to some of you know our previous comments about talking about how advertising out-of-home specifically is often the center of attention for public policy items saying, you know, billboards and out-of-home advertising distract drivers. You know, when my reviewing of the 104 years of out-of-home advertising research, it seems less conclusive that it causes accidents but it seems more conclusive that it can be a distraction. But saying that, I think out of home advertising may get an unfair attention to it being one of the most distracting elements out there for drivers. I'm not seeing a lot of research saying, let's look at all of the distractions that are out there, not just billboards, but phones, in-car video players you know the things that we put on our steering wheels to help us you know not stretch across the the dash to turn up the volume or to to call mom those are distractions as much as they are convenient so let's see a holistic study that really assesses whether or not out of home advertising is deserves the attention that it often receives number 5 technology adoption and I put this here because I think out-of-home advertising industry is adopting technology at a very fast rate, and I love that. I love to see the incorporation of mobile technology, social media. Out-of-home is so well partnered with that. I would love to see more research understanding it from the industry perspective, as well as how consumers perceive this. And consumers are engaged on their mobile devices at a greater rate. I'd like to, to get an understanding of how that truly impacts their exposure and their ability and willingness to process out-of-home advertising. So I think across those five items, those are some of the, the questions that I've, I would like to see further research from an industry and an academic perspective.
0: Rick, we're probably in a recession, maybe, maybe not, but, but probably. What do the academic studies say about advertising in a recession?
1: Well, you know I'll say what I, I I tell my students all the time. you know, when we see a recession, it, this is not the time to reduce your advertising budgets per se. It's a time to think differently about your advertising budgets because what are consumers doing? They're doing things differently. Their behavior is changing. They're looking for ways to save money. They're still spending but just spending differently. So you know, it's for an advertiser think about the message that you're delivering it's 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 not a time to say well i'm going to stop advertising because i think consumers are spending less they're just spending differently so they're searching for cheaper alternatives they're thinking value as opposed to maybe some of the other functions or features that you might have been speaking about in the past i think from a media perspective specifically out of home Think about how the activities are changing. You know We saw this during the, the COVID epidemic that people were driving less or they were driving differently. You know Maybe people during a recession are not going to restaurants as much. Maybe they're going to picnics in the park. So ads in different locations might be more beneficial. They're more likely to shop at different stores, those that are more value-based versus those that are not. So think about where billboards might be more beneficial. They might be more willing to take a bus than to drive. So maybe certain forms of -of out-of-home advertising might be more beneficial than others, and certainly than other types of traditional media.
0: Rick, I I also, two, two comments I have is, one is, and is this true that in a recession, the number of advertising voices may go down if people are pulling back so your chances are standing out in a world where there's fewer voices commanding cl- uh, clamoring for attention go up
1: 100% you know we also talk about in my classes too having that share of voice which is exactly what you're saying and if people are cutting back this is the t- if other i shouldn't say people businesses are cutting back on their advertising spend you know, if you're fortunate enough to be in a situation that you can still spend money, maybe you spend it more smartly. But yes, you should be spending to have that share of voice because people are searching for cheaper
0: alternatives for their product choices. What do your students think of out-of-home advertising compared to other forms of media?
1: Well, they're they're probably biased because I talk about that probably more than other types of media. And they may be more hesitant to actually critique it because they know from the beginning that, you know, I love it. But I think that they they learn to appreciate it as much as they appreciate other types of media, because, you know, I show them all the creative ways in which you can do it. And I think what is interesting is there are some years where I've not had time to talk about out of home as much as I've wanted to. And when they create their own campaigns in my class, I see them use out-of-home advertising less. So I think once I start talking about it and they get it in their mind that, yes, this is a popular medium, it's a creative medium, I see them include that in their media plans. And so I think they leave my class, or at least I hope they do, with a more favorable opinion of -of out-of-home advertising or just an opinion of -of out-of-home advertising.
0: I'd like to talk about an August 2021 paper you wrote on using transit advertising to improve public engagement on social issues. You know, I I think an unsung value of out of home is it can promote public speech and public engagement around social issues. Could you talk a little about that August August 2021 paper?
1: Yes. So this is a a study that myself and several colleagues from the East Coast, we worked on to inform people about climate change. And it was more to try to get them to have a dialogue. And that dialogue was sometimes in with in-person events, sometimes it was on social media. And we used advertising on the Boston subway to do that. And we found that out-of-home advertising, you know, really worked to help get people talking about it get people to take pictures of the ads, visit our website that we had going at the time, get involved in discussions on our social media channels. It was a really great way to grab people's attention. That was that particular study that,
0: that, that you're mentioning. That's all for this week. Thanks for appearing on the show, Rick. Thank you very much. I really had fun. This podcast was edited by Lucas Jones and sponsored by the Ultimate Out-of-Home Sales Guide. Purchase your copy of the guide at billboardinsider.com backslash publications. You can listen to episodes of the Billboard Insider Podcast by visiting billboardinsider.com or subscribing to Billboard Insider Podcast at any of the usual podcast outlets. My email is Dave Westberg at billboardinsider.com. I'd love to hear from you. Thanks for listening. I'll be back in a couple weeks.